Today is Thursday, December 14th, 2023, and you're listening to Space News First Up. First Up is sponsored by Terran Orbital, the leading manufacturer of satellite products for the aerospace and defense industries. Terran Orbital provides end-to-end satellite solutions to meet the needs of the most demanding military, civil, and commercial customers. Learn more at terranorbital.com. Here are today's top headlines in space. The FCC upheld a decision to revoke nearly $900 million in rural broadband subsidies from SpaceX. International regulators reached a compromise on potential changes to satellite transmission power limits. Amazon is asking a court to dismiss a lawsuit about its Project Kuiper contracts. Members of a Senate committee raised concerns with a White House proposal for mission authorization of novel space activities. The U.S. Space Force announced an overhaul of its command structure this week. A NASA Earth Science-hosted payload is working so well, the agency wants to extend its life. First Up is produced by Space News. Visit spacenews.com for up-to-the-minute space industry news and analysis. We begin today with the FCC, who upheld a decision to revoke nearly $900 million in rural broadband subsidies from SpaceX. The company was in line for $886 million over 10 years to deliver high-speed broadband to nearly 643,000 homes and businesses in 35 states through the FCC's Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, RDOF. The FCC concluded, though, that SpaceX failed to meet RDOF requirements to provide downlink speeds at least 100 megabits per second and uplink speeds of at least 20 megabits per second. Starlink currently provides a medium downlink speed of 64.5 megabits per second and uplink speed of 9.72 megabits per second in the U.S., according to research firm Ookla. SpaceX said it was deeply disappointed and perplexed by the FCC decision, which had argued singles out SpaceX for not meeting RDOF speed requirements years before it had any obligation to do so. International regulators reached a compromise on potential changes to satellite transmission power limits. The agreement, reached during the World Radio Communication Conference, will allow technical studies for changing equivalent power flux density, EPFD, limits on the condition that there would not be any regulatory action resulting from them until at least 2031. Companies developing low-Earth orbit satellite systems, including Amazon and SpaceX, lobbied for changing EPFD limits, arguing they were outdated and constrained their plans, while geo-satellite operators opposed any changes that could cause interference. One analyst called the deal a hard-fought compromise which neither side is claiming as a victory. Amazon is asking a court to dismiss a lawsuit about its Project Kuiper contracts. The suit? filed in a Delaware court in August, alleged that Amazon's board of directors acted in bad faith when they approved launch contracts with Arian Space, Blue Origin, and ULA for Kuiper's more than 3,200 satellites, despite conflicts of interest and while overlooking SpaceX. In a filing this week, Amazon said its board undertook a diligent and informed review of the agreements and that its actions do not meet the standard for bad faith set by the court. The filing whose public version is heavily redacted, provided few additional details about the contracts. Since the suit was filed, Amazon signed a contract with SpaceX for three Falcon 9 launches. Members of a Senate committee raised concerns with a White House proposal for mission authorization of novel space activities. At a hearing of the Senate Commerce Committee's Space Subcommittee Wednesday, Senator Kirsten Sinema, 
independent Arizona. Chair of the subcommittee said the proposal from the National Space Council last month had numerous ambiguities and other issues, but did not elaborate. A key concern others have raised about the proposal is that it splits responsibilities between the Departments of Commerce and Transportation. Witnesses said at the hearing that in no case would a company need to get approval from both agencies and that they would engage in interagency consultation about any cases that might fall between the two agencies. The U.S. Space Force announced an overhaul of its command structure this week. That change includes the creation of a new organization, U.S. Space Force's Space, whose focus is on meeting the needs of U.S. Space Command. The new organization combines Joint Task Force Space Defense and the Combined Force Space Component Command, and is commanded by Lieutenant General Douglas Scheiss. The consolidation should improve the Space Force's ability to deploy space-based assets quickly and effectively, Lieutenant General Scheiss said at the Space Force Association's Space Power Conference. A NASA Earth Science-hosted payload is working so well the agency wants to extend its life. The tropospheric emissions, monitoring of pollution, or TEMPO, instrument is on the Intelsat 40E Geo satellite to monitor atmospheric pollution over North America. TEMPO started operations in August, providing 10 to 12 scans per day as opposed to daily scans from low-Earth orbit satellites. A NASA manager said they plan to baby the instrument to ensure it operates for at least 10 years. In other news, Ars Technica reports that the Falcon Heavy launch of the X-37B spaceplane could be facing an extended delay. A Space Force official said the rocket would roll back to the hangar to address a couple of technical glitches with the vehicle. Neither the Space Force nor SpaceX have provided details about the issue, but the service hopes to get X-37B launched before the end of the month. That delay could have ripple effects for other missions planning to launch from Launch Complex 39A. Meanwhile, Florida Today reports that a Falcon 9 launch of Starlink satellites remains grounded because of weather, with no new launch date announced. SpaceX has yet to select launch pad for the next Axiom Space private astronaut mission. At a briefing Wednesday, Axiom Space announced its AX-3 mission is scheduled to launch no earlier than January 9th using a SpaceX Crew Dragon spacecraft. Such missions have previously launched from LC-39A, but SpaceX is completing a crew tower at nearby Space Launch Complex 40, intended to serve as a backup to LC-39A and relieve schedule congestion. A SpaceX official said at the briefing that the company had yet to determine what pad it will use for Axe 3 as it finalizes work on the new crew tower. Axe 3 will fly four people to the International Space Station for a two-week mission. Dawn.com reports that the government of Pakistan has approved its first national space policy. The new policy, announced Wednesday, will allow foreign companies to provide satellite services like communications in Pakistan. The policy would also provide funding for Pakistan's space agency, the Space and Upper Atmosphere Research Commission, for research and development. Nature.com reports that scientists are pleased with the performance of South Korea's first lunar orbiter. At the AGU Fall Meeting Conference this week, scientists said data from the Korea Pathfinder Lunar Orbiter, also known as Danuri, is beyond our expectations. Danuri carries several instruments including a NASA-provided camera to peer into shadowed regions of craters. The only problem is with one camera designed to take images in polarized light that is operating slower than expected. 
Danuri has exceeded its one-year lifetime and could operate for years more. National Space Club reports that NASA's OSIRIS-REx asteroid sample return mission has won another honor. The National Space Club announced Wednesday that the mission won its Robert Goddard Memorial Trophy, its highest honor. The award is given to the individual or organization that made a substantial contribution to U.S. leadership in space. OSIRIS-REx returned more than 100 grams of samples from the asteroid Bennu in September, concluding a seven-year mission. The award will be formally presented at the Goddard Memorial Dinner next March. Ad Age reports that a snack food company, apparently having run out of humans to sell to, is now marketing to aliens. Moonpie kicked off a new campaign recently that features ads written in Linkos, a language developed in the 1960s for extraterrestrial communication. The ads, displayed in various locations worldwide, are not meant to be read by humans, the company claims. I genuinely believe there are aliens, and I think if you were to market to them, this is the way you would do it, said Jeff Benjamin, chief creative officer of Tom Brass, the ad firm that created the ads. The company has not yet reported any uptick in sales, 